This podcast is supported by the Rebecca Vassi Trust, a UK-based charity which promotes the art of narrative photography through granting bursary awards to up-and-coming photographers and funding public education projects like this one. This podcast has full editorial independence, and the views expressed in this series are not necessarily those of the Trust. Welcome to Season 2 of the Photoethics Podcast. I'm your host, Savannah Dodd, and I'm the founder of the Photography Ethics Center. Each week, I'll be talking with an accomplished photographer about the ethics of their practice. Today, in episode number six, we'll be talking with Walid Shah about breaking stereotypes. Walid Shah is a photographer, creative thinker, and entrepreneur from the United Arab Emirates. Coming from a background in chemical engineering, he started his career working in the oil industry and slowly discovered his love for photography. His personal projects include Rock Your Ugly, which explores the intersection between physical and mental health, and Magazine Cover, which challenges societal norms. He has had the opportunity to work with industry leaders, talented local and international artists, and a wide range of brands. His photography was recognized by Fujifilm Middle East, and he's an official Fuji X photographer. Could we start by you just telling me a little bit about the kind of work that you do? Okay, so I, uh, I, I wear two hats. I'm not wearing any just now, but I wear two hats. One is a, is a commercial photographer, and one is a, is a very personal, you know, my own work that's really about society and, and uh, a lot of, you know, mental health and, you know, body. I hate the word body positive, but that's kind of, you know, what people understand. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, two, there's two paths I take, and they're very, very different, and the conversations are very different. So there's ethics in both sides of them that I have to think about, and they overlap, but the, um, I think the knowledge on sort of the client side on commercial stuff you just kind of have to approach it in a more delicate way because, you know, it's, it's your bread and butter. But then on the personal side, you can be very, very open and say, no, I'm not doing this and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, there's, there's very, very two distinct sides. I mean, the commercial stuff is very, uh, let's say, automotive and lifestyle focused. And then the personal side is very society focused. And that, that sometimes takes on a sarcastic tone as well. So it's also important to, to be careful with the sarcasm as well. What do you mean exactly by the sarcastic tone? I'm curious about that. So I've got this project called Magazine Cover. And it's a, it's a series of images that almost makes fun of magazines and makes fun of you know, the beauty industry and, and just societal norms. And it has a lot of innuendos. And the innuendos can sometimes, a lot of time, be sexual as well. So, you know, putting in those innuendos with sort of cultural commentary, you just kind of got to be careful with what innuendo goes with what culture, just so it doesn't backfire and you're not, you know, offending the wrong people or the wrong culture. But also kind of staying true to the message if you want to put out a message, but just not, not completely insulting a culture is also important. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, I guess, as well, if you're sort of using some of those really problematic things to comment on them. And how do you do yeah. that in a way that it comes off that you're commenting on it and not just exactly. replicating it? Yeah, that's a really interesting exactly. point. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And you, you were talking about a little bit there about the sort of maybe constraints on what ethics you can apply when you're working in your more commercial work. And that's interesting because it's something that's come up quite a lot when I've been working with also photojournalists or people who do humanitarian and development photography about this feeling that, you know, there's stuff that we would like to do to be more ethical, but sometimes the commissioning organization isn't willing or able to have that conversation for whatever reason. And I guess, how do you navigate that when you are working sort of for a client and how do you approach those conversations or do you? Yeah, so I always approach it, you know, in a, in a not, not not so subtle way, but not a if you don't do this, I'm not doing this way, you know. Mm-hmm. So what, one of the major issues uh, I think we have commercially is representing minorities and cultures in the workplace. So, for example, if I, you know, there, there was one time I was doing a, a commercial for a gas station, and the you know in, in the UAE the gas station attendants or even even the general sort of labor or uh, or service jobs are you know Indian Filipino uh, sort of you know that, that Asian Southeast Asian community that's where these jobs are so it's um, it's always troublesome to sort of reinforce that stereotype you know so I'm, I'm always very aware of what this person looks like when he's doing his job and the placement of this person in the frame. So as to to sort of glorify this job, either by putting the person that's a, that's a minority at the front of the frame or having him look like he's, he's having a great time and he looks, uh, you know, he looks brand new clothes, looking good, looking happy rather than, you know, you know, a tired worker just pumping up, pumping gas. The other way we would do it is maybe change the nationality of that worker. So it shows that you don't have to be a minority to work in that environment. Um, so it's, it's, it's these things. And I'd approach it in a way where like, I kind of educate my clients on these, these conversations that are being had you know, behind the scenes. So when somebody looks at your campaign from a cultural standpoint, these are the things they would look at and these are the things they point out. And then they, they understand, you know, they understand. So what, when I did explain that, they're like, oh, okay, that's a good point. Let's change that up. And let's, you know, and even for that same commercial, there was also the culture of uh, man and woman and their interactions where, you know, in, in a masculine dominated society, you'll have the guy, the man driving and, and the woman in the passenger seat. So, you know, when, when I saw that visual, I hadn't seen the visual before shooting, but when I was shooting and I saw them sitting there, I'm like, guys, this, you know, this is so stereotypical. Let's switch it up. So we, we switched up the lady having her in the driver's seat and it's like a muscle car and they're, they're having like a, like a, a light interaction and not a, a flirty interaction, you know? So it's, it's those societal norms or those stereotypes that you kind of try to break. So it's not just like another lame ad, you know? The same thing went for, I think, maybe three or four years ago. We were doing a commercial for, it was another car commercial, and it was a video. And it was for Ramadan, which is in the Muslim world, the, the monthly fast. And it was the year where Saudi women were allowed to drive for the first time. So, you know, knowing that happened, we switched all the, all the cast where the, for the women to be driving for the Saudi market. 
And just just know, having that knowledge and having that that cultural sensitivity really helps with the ad itself. Yeah, and I guess I think that there's something probably quite or there's quite an opportunity in doing commercial work because unlike, you know, documentary photography, documentary photographers have to just photograph it as it is. And maybe you can't subvert stereotypes as readily as you can if you're creating the scene, you know, then you can really play with those expectations and the role reversals and things, I think, in a really a different way. Exactly, exactly. That's why, you know, when you're talking about documentary photography, I'm so far away from that world. Like, I don't know the first thing about it. You know, and uh, what I understand from an ethical standpoint, what I understand with documentary photography, it's like you, you, you want to keep the scene as is. You don't want to touch it, you know, because you're documenting what's happening in reality. You don't want to pose people. You don't want to crop in a way that changes the story. Whereas in commercial photography, you can set up the scene in a way to change perceptions, mm. you know, yeah. uh, and that's what's beautiful about it. And that's. I think that that's a responsibility that not just the photographer has, but the whole creative team behind that campaign to educate not just the world, but the client as well. Like, this is what's happening in the world now. We want to break these norms. We want to break these stereotypes. You can be the company that, because, you know, these days, uh, you know, people buy, people buy from brands that they associate with culturally as well. So if you're just conforming to what's happening, you know, what's happening historically, you won't really stand out. And how do brands sort of take that? Do, do most of them really take that on board and want to sort of be at the front of changing sort of cultural norms? Or have you encountered quite a lot of resistance? I mean, it's generally resistant, to be very honest. It's generally resistant. But the people themselves, the people working for the brands, understand it. But there's always this expectation that, hey, my boss won't approve it. My boss won't like it. And if only that person was in the room with us, I can talk him into it, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's just that one, one layer above that, that people are always afraid of. And I think it just takes, it takes a bit of, you know, it takes a bit of courage to, to stand up to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're talking quite a bit there about cultural sensitivity as well. And I guess I'm wondering if you're photographing in a cultural context that you aren't as familiar with, what steps do you take to educate yourself on, you know, how certain campaign is going to be received in that context? So usually I have somebody with me that's part of that culture. So, for example, I did a project that was not commercial, that was very personal. I did a project that was called the Father's Day Project, where I took portraits of nine immigrant workers in Abu Dhabi, in the UAE, and then flew those portraits down to Kerala in India on a motorcycle and went to the villages and delivered those portraits to their families and then brought the portraits of the families back to the father on Father's Day. So that was a culture that I, I had no idea about. I had some idea about because 60% of, of the population in the UAE is from Kerala, but I hadn't lived like ingrained in that culture. And that's one of the experiences I wanted from that project. So I took a buddy with me that's, that's from Kerala. His family's there. He grew up there. And he really helped me sort of navigate that culture and also translate and, and be respectful and, and stuff like that. So one of the debates we had is that the, the portraits were in black and white. And he mentioned one time that, you know, when somebody has a black and white portrait of a family member, it means they've passed away. So if you rock up 
to the house unannounced with a black and white portrait of somebody's father, they're going to think their father passed away in that culture. So to navigate that, we made it clear what we wanted to do. And we would, because I wanted to surprise them, you know, I actually wanted, that, that was my, my intention in the beginning. But because of that, we decided not to surprise them and just let them know in advance and let the father, you know, call the family and say, these guys are coming. So we announced ourselves before. And then maybe another cultural thing was in Kerala, when somebody invites you over to the house, very, very strange way to do it. But again, I respected it because it's not my culture. When you have a guest at home, they eat first. The guest eats first. Like by themselves. You know what I mean? Like they'll, you know, they'll serve the food, you sit, you eat. And then when you're done, they'll sit and eat. And, it's, uh, and I was just like, dude, this is so weird, you know? But they're like, no, no. So, so we were visiting maybe three or four houses at, at, you know, at a time. Mm-hmm. Like uh, maybe some, sometimes it's you know, closer together. So it's very disrespectful if you don't eat. But sometimes you wouldn't be hungry because you just ate at the last family's house. So, so you just kind of have to like, you know, pace yourselves and not eat that much at one house if you know you're going to, you know, you're going to be at another house and you have to eat. <laughs> so it's these little things, you know, and then sort of the amount of time to spend with them, like depending on, you know, how, how far you've come, it sort of depends on how much time you, you should spend at a certain house, you know? So there's, there's a lot of different, you know, little different things that I wouldn't have known about. Uh, and maybe like if I, if I just, you know, delivered the portraits, said hello, mm-hmm. took some photos and, and left, that wouldn't have been cool. But having my buddy with me, just sort of translating that culture for me mm-hmm. was really helpful. Absolutely. And I think a lot of those things probably are things that are very experiential and quite hard probably to prepare yourself for or to read about and understand you know you almost have to have yeah, there's no there's no there's i don't think there's any literature that, that says that yeah you know there's no there's no book you can you can pick up or uh, an article you can google you know, there's it isn't you, you just have to be part of that yeah absolutely yeah. Is there anything, you know, I'm thinking a lot about your practice, particularly with commercial work, but also your personal work. When you first started out in photography, did you sort of start out with this intention that you were going to go and you were going to challenge stereotypes and that was what you were going to do? Or did you have sort of a moment that you realized, hmm, what I'm doing feels wrong or the way that the scene is unfolding or playing out, it's not the way I want to be working? Yeah, I mean, obviously not. That's the, you know, I grew up in a scientific background. So I'm a chemical engineer by degree. And then I I slowly moved into the art world. So no, it wasn't that intention. The intention was, it was very much a business decision to go into photography, to live off that instead of, instead of a nine to five. So no, the intention wasn't that from the very beginning. And I do remember a moment. I remember a moment where I didn't like a scene that was unfolding in front of me. Just in my regular life, I didn't have a camera on me. And then I went and, and, and told a story about it. You know, I set up a story about it later. And it was one of these. So we were, we were at a pool party. And, you know, there's, you know, DJ, music, alcohol, bathing suits. Everybody's happy, dancing and everything. And then there was this one girl that was slightly conservative. She didn't really want to, you know, show off her body. And she had, uh, you know, over her bathing suit, she had like a, we call it a kaftan, which is just like a, a robe kind of thing that you would wear, you know, in the, at the beach. And she didn't want to take it off. She just felt, I saw it, I, you know, I, I saw her walking and she just felt a little bit uncomfortable t- 
taken off the kaftan. So she went into the water with the kaftan. Now the security guard went nuts, blows the whistle at her and get out of the water, you can't do that. And he caused a scene. He caused a scene and the center of attention was this already like shy woman that didn't really want to be the center of attention and she was so embarrassed, you know? So that kind of, like I didn't do anything about it at the time. I was just kind of watching it unfold and it just, it made me feel really, really uncomfortable. I'm like, man, poor girl, you know? Mm. So I went off and, and created this scenario where I put a local Emirati woman in full Emirati gear in a pool. And you know, there, was like a, there was a video, there was a voiceover, there were some photos just telling that story in Arabic. And that really resonated with a lot of people. And that, that kind of, you know, sent like this positive message to the world saying, look, I can wear whatever I, I want to wear to the beach. You know, what, what's your problem? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that was, I think that was the moment I realized I'm like, you know, I can use whatever, whatever I'm doing uh, commercially, I could use it on a personal level to tell these stories and just to express myself in a way that, you know, more people will listen and maybe change their minds about something. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's such a tough story. It does sort of like makes your, yeah. I don't know, heart yeah. clench, you know, thinking about it. Cause you, you can yeah. just sort of picture how embarrassing that would be and yeah. what a difficult situation that would be. What advice would you give to someone who maybe was interested in going into commercial work, especially in terms of navigating some of those ethical considerations? The, a very difficult question. I mean, the advice would change every time you ask me like, you know, week to week or month to month. But, you know, when we're talking about ethics, I think you get it's a strange way to put it, but you actually get famous. You get well-known for putting your foot down on, on certain issues. So, you know, once you put down your foot on one topic, the industry will know about it and it can go both ways. And sometimes both ways are actually pretty good. Mm. So, you know, one way it could go, which is the bad way, we're like, oh, this is a difficult person. Let's not work with them. But at that point, I hope, your work, your product should be at a, at a level where like it's desirable that even if you're difficult, your work is really good that, okay, let me see what this guy is capable of. Okay, he's capable. Now, do my values as a brand align with his values? Will this person, he or she, the photographer, you know, give me grief on something I'm going to do? So then, you know, the, the client would kind of think twice about hiring you, but sometimes it's a good thing because then, you know, the client would then hire you because you had a stance on something, you know, mm-hmm. and I've had that happen multiple times. You know, I, there's this one, uh, one client that hired me to shoot some just regular lifestyle images with a car and I'd never heard, I'd never worked with them before. So I always ask, I'm like, how, how do you guys, you know, get in touch? Like, why do you get in touch with me? They're like, oh, we saw your personal work which was the magazine covers, which was the, the sarcasm. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I kind of really like your sense of humor. And I felt you'd bring something to the table that's not just the regular lifestyle. You'd bring some sort of humor to the table. So it, it does go both ways, but I think the positives outweigh the negatives. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you do put your foot down on certain issues, then, then you'll get, you know, you, you'll get recognized for that. Absolutely. And I guess it means that you're sort of, your clients are sort of self-selecting as well, right? So maybe you'll have, you'll be confronted with fewer problems that you have to work through with a client because the client's coming to you know, you know, and are switched on about these things and aware of these things. Exactly, exactly. And they'll be excited to have those conversations with you, Mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, people 
you know, I'm a trained salesman as well, right? In my oil field career. So, you know, one thing, one thing we teach everybody is, look, people work with people they like. Mm. Your product comes secondary almost to your personality, mm. you know? So if they like your personality and they like working with you on set and you share values and, and you share interesting conversations, they're more likely to, to want to be around you more mm. than the other guy. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And I guess sort of along similar lines to the last question, I'm wondering if there's any like common myth about photography that you'd want to debunk. Uh, I think maybe how long things take. You know, I think, you know, people usually think a photo takes, you know, takes you know, a few seconds or maybe maybe an hour or something. I usually get like personal clients saying, oh, I, hey, can I just come in for half an hour for like a few shots? It doesn't work like that. So, you know, part of the process is the, the sitting down, having the conversation, understanding what you're about, who you are, what your brand's about. That's a big part of the conversation. It's not, it's not hey, just stand there, look mm-hmm. cool, click, you know. So, I mean, sometimes it is. Sometimes mm-hmm. some jobs are like that. But these are, these are, you know, you scroll past these ones. Yeah. But the ones that really, really capture you are the ones that you've spent time understanding what the story should be that you're telling mm. and that takes time so you know one of my favorite projects i've done uh, that, that I, I actually just put out a book about it's called rock your ugly and in that project i interview people for about two or three hours before we take two or three photos mm. and we pick one mm-hmm. you know and that that one image tells the whole story of that two or three hour conversation that we just had so it, it does, it does take longer than you, you expect. Absolutely. And I guess, yeah, like when you were in Kerala, like walk, going around to people's houses and things, you know, you're building relationships as well. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It was, you know, for nine images, it was 13 days. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting to think about time as well, because that's something that we talk about a lot, particularly when, you know, I'm doing interviews with uh, photojournalists and documentary photographers, because that's sort of where actually most of the previous podcast guests have all been, mostly been uh, photojournalists and documentary photographers. So it's quite nice to have a perspective more from the commercial side of things. And it's really interesting to hear that, you know, time is also so important when it comes to the commercial aspects. Yeah. It's not something maybe I would have realized that, that, you know, not being at all a part of the commercial world, that that is so, so important still. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's one image I remember it, it, it took us maybe three days to get that image in because it was just really complicated, you know, because it's a still image that lives, that lives in front of you and and, and you, you kind of, you sit and stare at it for a while. It has to have all the elements ready. It's not, you know, I think maybe films might be, easier to get away with with the quick edits and cuts and making things look cool but a still image you have to have really the whole story there i remember this one image took us about three days it was an image of a plane of an airplane refueling now when i say it like that it sounds pretty simple right but the logistics of shooting that and getting the cultural messages in that image mm-hmm. took us a long time. So for example, to get the airport to let us, let us shoot the plane at the airport, obviously, you know, it, it's easier, easier to shoot a plane at the airport rather than get a plane somewhere else. So, okay, we needed the branding of the local airline to be present. So we needed to time it in a way where the, you know, I don't like using Photoshop too much. 
right? I like to, to, to capture something real. So we had to, you know, place it in a way where, you know, the, the plane would land in the background in the right place. That's one thing. The second was, okay, who are the pilots? You know, the pilots were, were very important. So I was, you know, there, there's actually behind the scenes video on my website of how we did that. Had a, a platform raised all the way up to the nose of the plane. And I looked the plane from inside so I can see the pilots clearly while the jet was refueling from the bottom. And then there's two planes landing on the sides. And it's all sort of like this well-timed click, you know. But finding the right pilots, because we could have gotten actors to just fill in as pilots, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted to tell the story of, of this, this one particular pilot, and it's the first female pilot in the UAE. So I wanted to bring her on her schedule to sit in the right place and have sort of, you know, the, the, the right expression. And, and it, so it was, it was this whole, like, the logistics behind that one image was, was really complicated. And it took us three days I mean, it took us weeks of planning, yeah. but like on the ground work took us about three days of work to actually capture that. Wow. So, yes, yeah, so you have to get her available at her schedule. We also need the planes landing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can't. I can't exactly. Did you? And, and, and it was and it was COVID time. Right. So like the logistics were crazy. The safety procedures, the. You know, it just is was a really, really logistical nightmare. And I guess probably a lot fewer planes were taking off and landing than usual. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, they were taking off and landing at times where the light wasn't right for that angle. And then, you know, if you, okay, they're at that runway, but we can't get this plane on that runway because it's a different, it's, it's huge, you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, that's really, that's really interesting. I'll have to, well, we'll link to that behind the mm -hmm. scenes video in the, yeah. uh, in the show notes. Yeah. So one question that I want to ask everybody is what does yeah. photography ethics mean to you? Again, again, I think it changes, you know, with, with every conversation, right? And that's one of the reasons I actually don't like having the questions in advance. So I don't, can't really prepare the answers. And I just kind of think off the top of my head. But if I think today, today it's about representing representing like every every culture and breaking every stereotype that you can that you possibly can and in, in when we're talking about sort of the commercial side of things again i don't really know much about the documentary side of photography but like a, a commercially like representing the right cultures in an image and breaking the stereotypes of that culture because i think at least in our generation we're kind of done with our parents' generation of thinking. You know, we're, we want to get rid of that. Mm. And it's all about, you know, the, 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 the male-female roles. It's all about cultural minority roles, um, breaking those stereotypes and, 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 and leveling, the, leveling the marketing uh, to include everybody. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Photoethics Podcast. The aim of this podcast is to share new insights about photography ethics with others. So if you heard something you liked, please share this podcast with someone who would appreciate it. The links to all things mentioned in this episode are available in the show notes at www.photoethics.org. Join me next week when we hear from the other on class in the industry. If you're enjoying this podcast, why don't you check out our online courses? 
we've developed a series of three online courses designed specifically for photojournalists and documentary photographers. We discuss questions like, how do we achieve accuracy in our photographs? What's the relationship between power and consent? And when, if ever, should we intervene? These online courses come with perks, like access to an online community group for discussion and Q&A opportunities with me, the course leader. Enroll today at www.photoethics.thinkific.com or go to www.photoethics.org and click online courses. This podcast was edited by Ellie Gascoigne.